the wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Now available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network, we are the podcast of champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the podcast of champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com, the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And man, it's hard to get good help these days. Like, hey, we're about to go live. Where's my countdown? Where's my, like, in five, four, three, two? I'm like, here we go, which means we're going live. And then Dave starts Sometimes you say, here we go. Like 15 minutes beforehand, and then you're just sitting there, you go to the bathroom, come out, then we're live. Yeah. You know? We do that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Borbo says dead conference walking. No, Borbo. We are still the conference of champions, (laughs) the Pac-12 of champions, or whatever, the podcast of champions, of the Pac-12 of champions, (laughs) talking all things Pac-12 football. Uh, Got a little disruptive. Cameron gave us a good review in the in the comments right now. Incredible intro, so tight. There you go. Thanks, Cameron. <laughs> I'll put that up on the screen. Uh, he also says, "What's up, boys, fellow degenerates?" Yeah, you guys on a so everyone. Thank you so much for watching uh, live on our YouTube channel. We'll call her simulcast because Dave uh, doesn't it's like not, that. That's not what it is. But um, yeah, you are on a Thursday morning. Listening and watching us. So, uh, you know, I think you might want to question your life choices. I'm just not sure. But Don't know do why pres- you're here. Yeah, but we appreciate it. But we love it. Um, for sure, we love it. Uh, thank you so much uh, for joining us. And if you're listening on the podcasting platform, that's great. We're going to try to do, I don't know if it'll be all season, but we're going to do uh, two shows for the out-of-conference games because there are so many games to recap and preview. And we definitely wanted to talk. So we we got to do a show uh, Monday that was really well received, you know, talking about the Colorado situation, recapping all the games. And today's going to be a little shorter show, but it will preview uh, all of the games and we'll do our picks and talk about the AP poll and stuff. So we do have a bunch of questions coming in. Uh, please keep sending us emails, pac12podcast at gmail.com or call or text us at 424-532-0678. we got a voicemail for you today. Uh, also, you can tweet us at pac12podcast and the website is pac12podcast.com. If you have an iPhone, please go to your Apple Podcasting app and follow us at the Podcast of Champions. Rate us with five stars and uh, leave us a review where you can talk trash, whatever you'd like to do. But I don't think we have any new ones, Dave. We have no new ones. Uh, our listenership is falling apart, breaking apart at the seams. Uh, the structures upon which the show have been built are crumbling um, in so many different ways. The conference is falling apart. Our robust group of five-star reviewers 
always the same guy. He's written 735 <laughs> reviews. We have a lot of reviews. Uh, no longer doing it. Um, we're counting on you out there. Yes, you. And uh, and you're you're failing. Uh, Ernesto says this simulcast is still available in more homes of the Pac-12 network. Uh, yeah. Um, man, it's still interesting to see what's going to happen in this whole mess. But we're going forward now with actual real Pac-12 football. Dude, Pac-12 is ascendant. The Pac-12 is prime. The Pac-12 is first among all, first among equals. Yeah. Uh, the Pac-12 is undefeated, baby. Undefeated conference. Now, it's going to end this week because there's a conference game. You don't know. That could end in a tie. You have no idea. <laughs> I, I don't think it can. Uh, I don't think that's allowed anymore. I don't so, know. There could be a lightning storm that just causes it to like get kicked back several weeks. Like Who knows? A, a haboob in downtown yeah, LA. Yeah, going to be a haboob in downtown LA. <laughs> there could be. But you'd mentioned uh, this, David. Um, the Pac-12 is undefeated. It's very good. If you look at the AP poll, which is the more important poll, and polls don't really matter, especially this early. I don't know why Clemson would still be ranked, but whatever. Uh, seven teams in the top 27 uh, spots. Way to sneak UCLA in there, baby. UCLA is at, coming in at 27. Um, so, But that's still up there. And then Colorado made their debut. To go from one of the worst teams in college football history to like nationally ranked in week two is pretty impressive for uh, Coach Prime. And uh, Colorado, the Beavs uh, only moved up two spots. I think they should actually be higher. We had them at number one in our power rankings because, you know, they look really impressive. Uh, they're at number 16 in the AP poll. Uh, we got the Oregon Ducks up at number 13. Uh, Utah is at number 12 after uh, beating Florida, beating that ass at home. Uh, then you got Washington uh, coming in at number eight. And then USC staying at number six. Washington moved up two spots. USC stayed the same. They actually had, uh, what was it? Clemson, no, LSU was ahead of them, and they dropped down. But Florida State jumped ahead of them. So Yeah. Um, so two top 10 teams, uh, USC and Washington, um, four in the top 13, five in the top 16, and six in the top 22. Uh it really impressive start. Um, I think it reflects a lot of what we saw in week one. And the thing is, and I was uh, still convinced that the bottom of the Pac-12 would still be kind of uh, poopy. And it's not. It's not. I would say there's one team that looks like it is in kind of uh, in the phase of a rebuild, and that's ASU. Everybody else looks some version of frisky. I think Arizona looks like kind of the same team they were last year. ASU looks like they're going to have a year zero where they're just rebuilding. Everybody else looks dangerous in some way. Cal and Washington State look dangerous. UCLA, once it figures out its quarterback situation, looks dangerous. Uh, and that's Stanford looks dangerous. Yeah. So it's it's a it is a much stronger league than even the top 25 indicates, uh, because there's a lot of really good teams that are in that middle of it now. When we did our preseason picks, like I really felt there was going to be uh you know, divided like sort of was last year where there was like the top half and the bottom half and the bottom half always lost to the top half from what we see. I mean, the top half looks really good, but the bottom half looks like they can get some wins. And that's very Pac-12 of that. You're going to get some of these teams bouncing up when you get Cal putting a 50 burger up on the road. I mean, Damn all bets are a off. 60 burger. It was 58 points. Yeah. Like that's I mean, that's a uh, that's something we hadn't seen, you know, Not since Sunny Dykes, baby. 
you know, we, we've seen these teams not have, like, you know, Colorado not having a pulse, like looking to get triple digits and yardage. Um, I forget. I was listening like to national offensive player of the year, Shadur Sanders. Yeah. Uh, four 100 yard wide receivers. I forget. I was listening to somebody and I, I, my apologies, but I guess all of last year there was only two. So they only had 200 yard receiving games uh, for a receiver all last year. They had four dudes do 100 yards in one game. It's insane. Um, yeah. So, like, so to Colorado go from uh, a doormat, like kind of what was below the doormat, like, no, the, like literally, very literally, one of the worst college football teams I've ever seen to something dangerous. Probably a bowl team. You know, that's a yeah. big jump. And, capable of beating most anybody in the conference, which never would have thought that to be the case. You know, we knew Cal was, I mean, Cal lost to Colorado last year. And if you could score 50 points, you can beat anybody, you know I mean? That's just so with your backup quarterback for three and a half quarters. Yeah. Uh, So the the bottom looks a lot better. Uh, So I think it's going to be really interesting to pick a lot of these games, preview a lot of these games. It's a huge, huge, huge weekend for the PAC 12 because after week one, it's great to be talked about. A lot more Power Five opponents this week, so there's some you know big opportunities for the Conference of Champions, uh, and we'll see. But there's just a lot of great matchups. We are still doing the survival pool. Everybody survived because everybody um, won in the Pac-12. You couldn't have picked a loser, uh, so that's good. Make sure you get your picks in. Uh, we put we put it up on our website. We've tweeted it out. Um, we will keep putting up pactualpodcast.com. So if you entered last week, you have to enter this week or you're screwed. Now, all the games are Saturday, so you have time, but enter those. Uh, we were both on Arizona State last week. We're different this week. I'm taking Oregon State. I'm kind of going with the safe one, playing an FCS school, like the one like pure, you know, true winner you should have. And David's going a little different. I'm going with the most safe one in the league, which is Colorado <laughs> rolling up on the Huskers. See, if you think Colorado's that good, wouldn't you want to pick them later? You know, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's still a tough schedule. <laughs> it's still it's, no, yeah. It's still super dicey. And the thing is, like Colorado is, I think they're really good right now. They're a couple injuries away from suddenly not looking very good at all. Um, and so I want to get them early while they're still very healthy. Uh, but I think they're going to roll on Nebraska. All right, uh, you're you're big on that one. We'll get that in the previews and stuff. Ernesto says, has Pac-12 announced when they'll pull the plug on the TV network? No, there's not been a lot of announcements. And I, well, I haven't read it yet, but Wilner did a story this morning about um, that Oregon State, Washington State basically asked the Pac-12 for some financial stuff, and uh, and they haven't heard back yet. So I feel like they're still trying to figure things out. Um, it'd be interesting if like Washington State, Oregon State end up doing like a a deal with the Mountain West. I think the Pac-12 network, there's still value there with the infrastructure. There's value with all the NCAA units that you would have coming in. Um, you know, there's some liabilities there. You still have to pay out Comcast and everything. But I, yeah, I'm I'm still curious to see what happens uh, with that. But it'd be awesome if there really was a Pac-2 and they just had an agreement with the Mountain West to like schedule a bunch of games. Um, and they still kind of keep their own entity and then sort of try to grow it from there. Because uh, you got two years to still be mm-hmm. a conference you know if, if you drop below eight but um just I, leave, leave the light on for everyone who wants to come back my gut my gut's telling me that they're going to keep the pac-12 sort of entity it's like the shell company like they're, they're still valuing that they're going to keep that yeah um, they should keep it around all right so let's do i don't know if we want to call it this but pac-12 roundup but no we're gonna, we definitely don't want to call it that we don't call it that preview all the games do we need like a preview 
Yeah, we probably um, need a preview sound thing. Okay, so we're going to do all our picks uh, for the games. We have some early morning games. Uh, we have Pac-12 after dark games. We got like mid-afternoon games. It's sort of tiered. So you kind of have to pick your poison where you want to watch. And these are stuff. not staggered in any way. Like you get like... Right at the same two, time. <laughs> two right at the same time in the morning, like four right at the same time in the afternoon, and then three right at the same time in the evening. Um, Jeffrey Paul says, uh, what are you going to do? Oh, I'm sorry. That was the wrong one. Let me pull this up. Uh, let's see if that works. He wants to know about the week 13 in the survival pool. Um, it just goes as long as it goes. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone will have picked everyone by 12 weeks in. Yeah. So. You got, there's no more teams left. So you have to have picked. Yeah. So there's no, no week uh, 13. Yeah. Uh, maybe I guess we could do like some kind of tiebreak or something. I don't know. Yeah. What if we, we get to a point where it's a tiebreaker, that's what we did last year, I think, because we had like three or four people. Yeah. Uh, I yeah, like Dave said, like this is gonna be harder. I don't think we're gonna see as much because last year it was easier because there was like these six teams always beat these six teams, and like now it's like that's not gonna be the case. Like Washington State's gonna, you know, beat Oregon or something, and you're like, oh, okay, well, you know, we didn't that wouldn't have happened yeah, last yeah, year exactly. All right, first up, uh, this is yeah, we've got Utah Utes. This is 9 a.m. on ESPN. If you're uh, if you're a Spectrum subscriber, prayers up. Uh, number 12, Utah at Baylor. Uh, Utah is uh, an eight point favorite. Um, let me see. Actually, yeah, it's still an eight point favorite uh, over the Baylor Bears. It was Rawr! it was like four before. Don't or something. step on my sound effect. Okay. Rawr! Is that good? Is That's that pretty good. good. Yeah. Not not worth doing again, but no. I mean, it was definitely worth doing again. <laughs> I'll do it again. Actually, Rawr. is it getting worse or better? Uh, it's it's about the same. About the same. Okay, definitely not uh, three times. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it a fourth. I really will. Uh, Utah's an eight point favorite on the road. This is one that we pegged both as a loss preseason, but then Baylor went and did a very funny thing, which was lose to Texas State. Uh, and it was like a real loss. Like they lost. Um, I think they ended up losing by 11. But even in Bill Connolly's postgame win expectancy, which I like to check out, they were still a loser. It wasn't like one of those lucky things. No, they probably shouldn't have lost by 11. There was like six turnovers. But and, they yeah. they should have at least lost by a field goal. It would have been an upset if they'd pulled off the win. Uh, I don't know what the heck's going on there. But Utah's a whole lot better than Texas State. Uh, which recently fired Jake Spavital, who's kicking ass at Cal. Uh, anyway, um, now eight points is a lot, and Utah doesn't have Cam Rising still. Right. Um, they've got the pig farmer. Uh, it's a different deal away from Rice Eccles. They kind of suck. They're like 500 team on the road. I'll go Utah. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go Utah as well. Uh, Baylor lost their quarterback for a few weeks also. Um, but, yeah, that just doesn't look like a buttoned-up team. Now, we could see Baylor come back home and just really play well in this one. But I love the way Utah handled business against Florida in a revenge thing where there's a lot of pressure. It's an SEC school without your quarterback, without your tight end, without your linebacker. Like, just guys, that, you know, the, if you're re reading, like, Phil Steele's uh, preview, like – Name those like four or five guys that you. Those are really key guys. Like most of them were gone. They weren't even playing in this right. game, and it didn't matter. Uh, yeah. So I like I like Utah in this spot. I mean, I, they're not a team that's like gonna. I mean, I, they could potentially boat race Baylor, but I feel like 
seven and a half, eight. Like, I, I think they're going to, you know, you could see them win by a touchdown, but I feel like this is going to be 10 points or something like that, where Utah sort of controls the game. They're not putting up a ton of points, but um, they control the line of scrimmage and just sort of like, you're not going to get them. And so, yeah, I like Utah on this spot. So we'll both uh, go with the Utes. Yep. Uh, yeah. And Baylor looks ass. So super, which assy. is so funny because Dave Aranda was the hot, he was the hot shit, man. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, and this, you know, this is a, a Big 12 matchup, right? There's going to be Big 12 teams. I love the, this is like your future conference Ooh. that you're going to be playing in. Um, and I, I feel like Colorado came in and whipped up on the Big 12 a little bit. I feel like Utah is going to whip up on the Big 12 a little bit. Yeah, there's going to be like, hey, we want to we want to make it clear who the top dog is here. Yeah, we're coming into your conference that has a lot of mediocrity and we're going to dominate it. Yep. Speaking of domination. Colorado Buffalo. Uh, this is also a 9 a.m. or on Big Fox. Uh, Nebraska heading to number 22, Colorado, which is a three-point favorite at home. These are the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Farming sucks. Is that is that a good sound effect? Uh, pretty good. You like that? Yeah. Um, is that what they're doing? Are they husking corn? Are they like farmers? Is that what we're going for there? I think so. Yeah, I think they're they're. They grow they, corn, yeah, and yeah. at some point you need to like husk it. Yeah, as one does. Uh, Nebraska is the, the actually getting the corn off, or is it when you take the husk off? I don't know. Yeah, are they eating the corn or are they farming it? I believe farming. Because should it be more like a <laughs> that's just eating it? Yeah. Do you eat your corn? Um, you know, if you're doing corn on the cob, mm-hmm. do you go around or do you go side to side? Mm. Like typewriter. I probably I, I probably spin it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's serial killer shit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But I, I go like side <laughs> to side. I'll try to do yeah, it's like a and I try to keep it even because you're, like, you're typewriting. I typewrite it. Yeah. Psycho. Um okay, Nebraska, fresh off losing in a barn burner. An absolute I mean, this was was a track meet. Uh thirteen to ten. It was 10 to uh, 10 for a long time. Like, this is what we're looking forward to, like, next year. Like, just dog shit. <laughs> Absolute dog shit. Uh, Minnesota won 13 to 10. It was a weird game. Nebraska probably should have won. Let me see. What was the post game win expectancy here? Uh, yeah, Minnesota should have lost by 17. So Nebraska's probably a little bit better than that. Yeah, they've, they've lost a lot of these close games when they should have won them. Yeah, you know? their quarterback threw three picks. Um, he was horrible. Uh, but they, they probably should have won that game. Uh, this is on the road, though, against Ascendant Colorado. Uh, the Buffs looked extremely impressive against TCU. Um, I would take Colorado minus 10. Yeah. So I'm definitely taking a minus three. Yeah, I think it's too close of a the, – there's momentum, and I like, you know, the way this team is playing right now. Like, this – I don't know how long it can last, but they looked like a very well coached team. Like that's the, the biggest takeaway. Yeah, there were star players, but they were buttoned up. They they went on the road against a team that you know is well coached because they went all the way to the national championship game without a great defense or anything. And they look like the better coached team. And I feel like you're going to see the same kind of thing uh, you know, on Saturday. I don't know if Travis Hunter is gonna have to play 130 plays. Um, but you know, sure, sure, Sanders good. They have a good run game. 
Uh, there's just there's really good. I think there's good plays to be had, and they're going to score points. And Nebraska didn't score points. Now it's going to be a different style of game. Those Big Ten games where you're just it's you know ten to ten like in the fourth quarter is like crazy. Um, so I think there'll be more points scored in this one because Colorado is going to push the pace, and you're going to see you know a lot of stuff happen. But yeah, I like Colorado here. Um, I w- would I be shocked if like they kind of lay an egg and and Nebraska comes in and you know that might be Colorado all year. They might have like really good games and really bad games, but they you know just sort of like they look they look much better than what you thought. But I do like Colorado in this one. Uh, Nebraska's their history of losing close games is you know they just that's this what they do. This isn't going to be a close game. All right. Well, we'll see. Um, I think it could be. But if it is, you edge Colorado. Uh, and if it's not, it's probably going to be a Colorado it's, win. Yeah, so. but it's not going to be a close game. All right. It's going to be a blowout. So we're both on uh, both the Mountain Stampede. School. We both have the Mountain Schools yeah, yeah. in this one. Uh, the former Big 8 uh, rivalry here. But mm-hmm. uh, Okay. So next up, that we got a little, we got a little lull. Uh, and if you have Pac-12 Network, you can watch this one. Washington Huskies. <laughs> yeah. So Washington is taking on Tulsa. I'm going to quickly figure out what Tulsa's mascot is. Green Wave. No, wait, that's no, that not was too the late. other one. That's too uh, late. No, the Tulsa is the Golden Hurricane. Ah. Is that right? I've never heard that before. Uh, the Golden Hurricane. So that's more like a. It doesn't sound very golden. No. It should have like a sprinkle in it. <laughs> no? Uh, that's pretty good. You like that? I, I couldn't do better. All right. Um, uh, so Tulsa's coming to town uh, to Washington. Uh, this is on 2 p.m. on the Pac-12 network in Seattle. Uh, Washington is a – I've got it first as a 30 – what do I have? You have here? 35. I have 35. It's moved to 34, but we're going to stick with 35 because that's what I wrote in the doc. Um, I actually will take Tulsa here. Okay. Uh, it's too many points, and Tulsa – I mean, I know it was against, like, some scrub-ass uh, – I think it was a uh, – FCS team, but they put up a lot of points. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a little bit more of a not competitive. I don't think it's going to be competitive, but I I think it will be more like a four touchdown win for Washington and not the necessarily the huge blowout they put on Boise State. Uh, yeah, this is a tough one. Um, what they played Arkansas Pine Bluff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's not that's not great. No, like that's. I mean, yeah, no. Uh, I, I, I don't know how you're going to stop Washington mm-hmm. and if Tulsa scores, Washington will score. If Tulsa doesn't score, I think Washington will score. <laughs> I think Washington is going to score a lot mm-hmm. and 35 is a ton. It's a lot. And of it's points. really hard watching a game when you're trying to cover a huge spread. Cause if it's like 21, seven, like early second quarter, you're like, oh, this isn't enough, you know? Yeah, and then you can kind of blow things out. But I, I'm kind of riding with the Pac-12 and just like putting beatdowns on people. I'm going to ride with Washington on this one, and uh, look at you, 35 points. You're a believer. I like it's not 35 and a half. It's not 38. Like USC's spread was 38 last week, and you're sort of like, oh my god, they're going to win by six touchdowns and not or whatever, five touchdowns and not cover. Um, but yeah, give me 35. Or I'll give the 35 and take uh, U-Dub. All right. Look at you. I love it. Arkansas Pine Bluff, come on. 42 points against. Come on. That's not uh, that we're talking about. Okay. A little bit later on, we got 
Oregon Ducks. All right, this is 4 p.m. on Big Fox, uh, number 13, Oregon at Texas Tech. They're the Red Raiders. That's got to be racist, right? <laughs> Why does it have to be racist? Well, they got to be talking about uh, Native Americans, right? Oh, I don't know. Is that what they're doing there? Or are they going pirates? Are they pretending it's pirates? I'm not sure. We got like 91 people watching live. We need to. We need only have 25 likes. Smash that. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the pirates then. Okay. Um. Okay. Well, regardless, regardless, uh, this game is very weird for me. It's set uh, very oddly. Uh, Oregon is only a six and a half point favorite over Texas Tech on the road. Texas Tech just lost to Wyoming. Yeah, but that was in Laramie. Okay. Oregon just scored 81 points in a football game. I, I know it was against Portland State, but they scored 81. Uh, I would. This is another one where I would probably take Oregon minus 14. For but sure. I'm definitely taking a minus six and a half. I would say, yeah. I think they'll smoke them. And I think Oregon is one team that we're not talking about nearly enough as like an actual contender just because, I don't know, for some reason they're getting kind of lost in the shuffle. I, I They're going to be really good. They already look, I mean, look, we, we kind of poo-pooed it in the recap show, but scoring 81 against anybody is not easy to do. Um, it's just you, you have to continue to execute your offense, even if it is against a dog shit FCS. So... Uh, I think they're going to score a lot of points, and I don't think Texas Tech is going to keep up. Yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, I think it would go up to fourteen in this one. Like the was it the so the Washington game we were just talked about. It was kind of close in the third quarter, and Washington's pulled away. But that was against like a good team. Oregon gave up like an early touchdown to Portland State, and then never relented. So I, I, I it's great that the defense played well, continued to play well. You know, after putting up 50 points or whatever in the first half. Um, yeah, I I feel like you're facing your old quarterback. Tyler Shuck is the quarterback at Texas Tech, right? Is he really? Yeah. You didn't even know that? Okay. Show? Shuck. Shuff? Shuff. Shug? <laughs> uh, they Shoe? just lost. I don't think the Big 12 Shuck is that good. I, I need to make this point anew for many more people. Shuck is the only way that name can't be pronounced. And that's you could pronounce that name any other way, and it would make sense in the English language. Shuck, no, that's not a CK. It's a GH. Um, yeah. So I think they're going to beat that ass of their former uh, quarterback. Who, you know, I, I don't think the Big Twelve is going to be that good, to be honest. Like, maybe Texas is good. We're going to see they play Alabama this weekend. You know, Oklahoma could potentially be good, but those other teams, I don't know. Like. We already saw TCU lost, and you know Kansas State. I think could be pretty good, but we're not seeing them on the schedule. Um, John says blue collar Dave in a car ha- Carhartt shirt as he toil- toils in the podcast mine and the Twitter refinery, smelting the hottest of takes. That's right, baby. Very nice. Um, I do it all for you, the people. Yeah, so I will. I will go on. Uh, this is like one of those ones I might do in a parlay. Um, I, like, I like the way you pronounce parlay. What, how do you say? It? Yeah, you just said parlay. Parlay. Uh, by by the way, um, thanks again to uh, my bookie. Um, pack, promo code Pack Twelve. If you want to use it, did well week one. So I'm gonna like do some week two. I did a that one parlay I didn't get, but I'm gonna try to do. I'll, I'll bet all the games that I pick, uh, and then I'll try to do a parlay. I think with. I think I'm gonna put Oregon in the parlay. Uh, I'll probably put Colorado in the parlay, and maybe uh, Utah. So I feel like. 
going against the Big 12 teams or former Big 12 teams is what I'm going to like go in on in this one. I feel so. good about Oregon and Colorado. I wouldn't feel like that great about Utah to make them part of a three-player. Okay. All right. Well, well that's I, just me. I might do it. The cool thing about it is if, you know, well, like if I hit the first two and you just want to cash out, you can actually cash out now on uh, my bookie. So that's kind of nice. Exciting. I, I haven't tried that yet, but I want to do it. Okay. Uh, we're both going to take uh, the duckies on the road. All right. Here's a big one. We've got Washington State Cougars. 4.30 p.m. on ABC, number 19, Wisconsin. Badger, 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 Snake, it's a snake. At Washington State. Washington State is a six-point dog at home. And it's like, have these people even watched the Pac-12 do they even know? Do they even know, Ryan? I don't know if they know. I don't think they know. I think it would be nice if they did know, but they don't know. Uh, Washington State, uh, so in the postgame win expectancy, I love this. Uh, they zeroed out Colorado State. Colorado State had a 0% chance of winning that game based on the underlying stats of that game. They blew them the hell out. Yeah. Washington State, um, uh, new offense, new offensive coordinator, the whole thing. It looks a lot better. Um I think they're going to win this game, but they're definitely covering the six. I like Washington State in this one, too. Um, who did Wisconsin played somebody not that great? Buffalo, and Buffalo. they struggled for a while. Yeah. And uh, but I think they're going to be I think Luke Fickle is going to have them in a good spot. This is just it's a tough place to go. Uh, I don't know who's going to win. Like it could be a field goal game either way. And like I wouldn't be shocked if, if Wisconsin came in and, and won. But, you know, I, I like the the six points here. Just. Maybe they come in and win by a touchdown, but if I, I feel like this could definitely be close. I mean, Cam Ward looks like a different quarterback with this new offense, and they are pushing the ball down the field more. The defense was really good. Uh, I feel like you could keep this close. The, the fact that the defense is playing well and you're not just throwing the ball to the line of scrimmage anymore all the time, I, I like taking the six points here. I'm, I'm not sure how it's going to turn out. Maybe there's a couple weird turnovers, but six points at home, uh, I'll, take, uh, I'll take the Cougs for sure in this one. Yeah, and Wisconsin was up fourteen to ten on Buffalo at halftime. Yeah, so it's like I don't know, like this—that's a home thing and scrub ass jump team. around and all that kind of stuff. Scrub um, ass Big Ten. Yeah, plus Washington State—they got the, uh, you know, the factor of this is the first time they've hosted an FBS team at home and not or a, a, a Power Five team at years. home in like a thousand years in non-conference. Yeah, uh, sweet. Okay, so we're both on uh, the Cougs in this one. Uh, I find this one really interesting. We've got Arizona Wildcats. Yeah, so uh, the 4.30 p.m. on the SEC Network, Arizona uh, traveling to Mississippi State, the Bulldogs. So that's again, because <laughs> they're all fucked up little animals that have been bred. Uh, inbreeding? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Into, that, sounded, that sounded a little inbred. Yeah, into animals that like can't even feed themselves and can barely move. Um, anyway. Uh, Mississippi State is currently a nine-point favorite over yes. Arizona at home. Uh, this is the one I probably feel like least You're good com- about. Your confidence level is low. It's extremely low. I, I don't know what to make about Mississippi State. I don't really know what to make of Arizona based on that week one game. I thought it was like a little bit slow start. Um, but... I could see this being a game that Jaden Delora gets up for. I could see it being one of those games where, you know, they've got a good 
you know, they weren't trying to show anything about Northern Arizona against Northern Arizona. Maybe they're trying to. And they were trying to win because they lost a couple of years ago. Yeah, but you know, it's an FCS. Um, this is probably the one they've been. But they circ- lost to a couple of years ago. They've been circling this one. It's my point. Yeah, uh, I think nine points is a little too much. So give me Arizona. Here's the thing: Jaden Laura has had some great games and then some like poopy ones, three interception, you know, kind of things. But in my I'm I've been back in the pack. I think I picked every Pac-12 school so far to cover, and I'm not gonna I'm you know with nine points with this kind of explosive offense. Um, I feel like maybe Mississippi State wins by a touchdown or something. Yeah, they, it, things could get out of control, and if it, it might spiral when you're on the road in SEC country and Delora throws a couple picks, they put the ball on the turf. But if they're playing okay, they're going to score points. Yeah, Mississippi State will score points. Uh, the nine just seems like too much. So the nine is like you're betting on Arizona sort of like tanking, which they could. You know, I'm not saying they're not going to tank, but outside of Arizona just kind of like laying an egg or like getting sort of steamrolled because things just get out of control. You know, I could see it go seven points either way. Then maybe they lose a, a tough one on the road, but. Um, Nine's a lot. I think nine. You need like a collapse from Arizona. Yeah, so I agree. I'm gonna take. Uh, I'm gonna take the Wildcats in this one. Uh, another game. This is this will be the third game at the exact same time. But I'm sure everyone will be watching this one. UCLA Bruins. Uh, 4:30 p.m. on CBS. Uh, UCLA at the San Diego State Aztecs. I think last year we did like kind of a it was like a sling, like a oh for Aztecs. Is that what they, they were they sling people? I don't know. Like David Goliath. I don't, I don't know. I, I honestly don't. I don't know what their uh, weapon of choice was, and I don't want to make the sound of a human sacrifice. <laughs> um. So anyway, San Diego State's currently a fourteen and a half point dog. That actually, I think, is continuing to move in. Oh no, it's back to fourteen and a half. It was fifteen and a half earlier today. Um. I like Very that. similar line situation to what UCLA experienced at home against Coastal Carolina. No, exactly. Very similar. 14.5. Yeah. One by 14. Uh-huh. Uh, Annoyed me because I had UCLA. Correct. Uh, so here's the deal. Uh, I'm going to give you the skinny. Uh, UCLA uh, has not announced a starting quarterback for Saturday. My strong suspicion is that it's going to be Dante Moore. However... I still think there's going to be a platoon. I think it's going to be Dante Moore, and then I think some version of Ethan Garber's playing about the same amount that Dante Moore played in the first game. Okay. This will almost certainly depress productivity offensively. Uh, what will also depress productivity offensively is that San Diego State once again has, like, you know, a decent enough defense. Still running that 3 3 5 that Rocky Long was running forever. Um, so I, I think. It's not going to be UCLA score in like 45. Um, and then on the flip side, San Diego State, uh, their offense is, as has always been, pretty much trash. Um, you know, they can run the ball, though. And I, I don't think they're going to score a ton against UCLA, but I can easily see this being basically the same sort of game as it was against Coastal Carolina, where UCLA scores like 24, 27. And San Diego State scores 13 to 17. So all that being said, I've got this more as like UCLA by 10, not 14 and a half. So mm. give me San Diego State. You know, San Diego State beat Ohio by seven. Do you think that, you know. Ohio's okay. 
the the more interesting data point is when they allowed 28 points to Idaho State. But I invite you to go look at the box score of that game because yeah. this is more San Diego State's offense being absolute garbage. Defensively, they only allowed two points per drive. They allowed an astounding 14 drives because their offense was so bad. Hmm. Uh, but two points per drive, that's pretty damn good defense. So UCLA secondary is kind of ass, right? But San Diego State does not going to take advantage of that. I think this is a bad year for San Diego State. I think everyone in the Pac-12 sort of has a bad taste in their mouth because they would just beat all these Pac-12 teams. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to be the year. I feel like this is going to be, you know, week two, Chip Kelly, Dante Moore starting, scoring a bunch of points. Uh, 14 halves a lot, but I'm going to take UCLA again. They were really close last week. They're 14. Mm -hmm. I feel like they can get to 15 this week. You know, maybe there's a two-point conversion in there or something. Uh, Dante Moore doesn't throw that pick in the end zone that would have got the cover. Mm -hmm. I like them to cover. I'm gonna. They're gonna go on the road and cover this one. I could see like the Chip Kelly stuff. I get it. And if I lose this one, I'm probably gonna be down on UCLA for like the rest of the season because that's just the way my brain works. <laughs> but I'm gonna like. I'm gonna stick. With, I'm gonna like. All right. They they really. They shouldn't even been that close against Coastal Carolina. But I think San Diego State's pretty bad. Okay. So give me give me the Bruins. And uh, that's, I think, the second one we picked differently. Yeah, we picked UW and uh, San Diego State. The stupid, like, 35 point spreads are just like, yeah. I mean, those are coin flips in themselves, right? Like, it just depends how things go. Yep. Okay. Uh, next up, we've got Oregon State Beavers. Uh, the Oregon State Beavers um, are hosting at 6 p.m. on the Pac 12 network the UC Davis Aggies. Um, Again, just kind of a right. Uh, sure. Isn't Aggie like a agricultural like you know people who like, like work in agriculture? farming and stuff? Yeah, yeah. So that was like kind of like digging some holes and planting some stuff. Yeah. What are they planting in Davis? What are they, what's the big crop up there, dude? I don't know. Uh, Weed. I mean, no, it's probably. <laughs> I mean, as it is everywhere, it's probably like almonds. And a lot of uh, almonds. Uh, You're an almond milk guy. No. Are no. you a milk? Are you like Jim Harbaugh milk guy? Like, I mean, no, I'm not Jim Harbaugh esque. Uh, steak and but milk, but you know, a little bit of milk with some cookies, not the I worst thing in the world. Cookies, yeah. yeah, he doesn't love that. Um, this is six p.m. Uh, we don't have a line on this one. Uh, Oregon State's going to crush them. Um, if the line, if you find a line that's like uh, I don't know, anything less than thirty-five, probably definitely take, take it. Probably yeah. take Oregon State. Yeah, I mean. Two running backs that can beat you, DJ Ungalale, like 250-pound quarterback. Uh, it's, uh, you know, he's he, he's probably going to get two or three rushing touchdowns in this one when they get down to the inside the five. Um, yeah, I like Oregon State to roll in this one. That's why I picked them in my confidence um, pool. So, yeah, I like the Beavs. Uh, we'll see. Well, real quick, um, Cody in the chat says, uh, still have Ryan's 2-10 and 10 prediction for Colorado. Coloring my vision, uh, WTF. Yeah, no, like those are preseason ones. Like I'm telling you that they're probably going to make a bowl. Like that's sometimes it just takes one week and you're like, uh, you don't want to overreact. But my guess was it was going to take a year rebuild. There's not. They're going to be, you know, competitive this year. So I think they're going to be a bowl team. So like I wouldn't take too much stock in that preseason prediction. But um, I've, you know, instantly watching them say, okay, they're well, not only are they like talented, they're well coached. It's just bizarre how Ryan thinks they're going to lose 10 straight games after this weekend. Right. That's, <laughs> <laughs> Dude, 
Uh, but I mean, yeah, that's uh, no, I, I think they're a bowl team now. So don't look at that as, uh, as putting much weight on anything. All right. Then we got three uh, Pac-12 after dark games. Yeah, we don't have any line on that, that game. So we don't have any picks. Um, first up, we've got the first conference game. Uh, we have Stanford Cardinal taking on USC Trojans. Yeah, so this is on 7.30 on Big Fox. Uh, Stanford traveling to the Coliseum against number six, USC. Uh, USC is a 29, and that nine is not an eight. It's a Mm. uh, nine-point favorite over Stanford. Now, we just watched Stanford against Hawaii. Uh, Ashton Daniels can run a little bit. Ashton Daniels can throw a little bit, and they've got a tight end that's tough to cover. Um. This is going to be the actual first real test for uh, Alex Grinch and his defense. Um, the first two games were, come on, come on. Right. Javon Cordero, and you're allowing 28 points. Uh, I think Stanford could score a little bit in this game. Um, now, I think their offensive line could have some issues up front. Um, I think Ashton Daniels is going to be under a lot more pressure uh, than he was in the opener against Hawaii. It's a different deal. Um it's second straight road game. That always can come with some body clock effects. Um, they're coming back from Hawaii, uh, which, you know, it's, it's a lot of travel in a yeah. short amount of time. But 29 points is too many. Uh, I got to go. I got to go Stanford here. Uh, I think uh, they're not they're not the pushover that we thought they'd be. They're also not the pushover that either Nevada or San Jose State San Jose State should have been, but the one that Nevada was, I think this will be an actual test a little bit. And I think USC is going to win comfortably, but I don't see it being more than four touchdowns. I agree. Um, David Bailey's like a terror coming off the edge. Like he could disrupt a drive or two. Now, is, could USC come out and just boat race them? Like, no doubt. It's possible. But I, I feel like it's going to be, I think I sent uh, my preview to uh, Jackson Moore and I were exchanging, you know, five questions before the game. I think I was saying something like, uh, 49, 24 or something where I, I feel like they win by like, you know, four touchdowns if, but like 29 is a lot. Like you got to win by, you know, five or it, it's five big scores. It's, uh, you know, I, 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 I think I feel more comfortable just taking the points in this one where USC probably wins comfortably, but Stanford's a team like at the end of the game is Miller Moss scoring a bunch of touchdowns to get the cover. You know, I don't know. Um, and he could be, and you know, maybe they just like absolutely roll over him. But uh, sweating out those huge spreads two weeks in a row, uh, they they got it last week, winning by like fifty two. But I think against Stanford, like that's a lot of points. So I'll, I'll just take the points in this one and not feel super confident about it. Agreed. All right, uh, next Pac twelve after dark game, we've got California Golden Bears. This is a 7.30 p.m.er on ESPN. The Auburn Tigers meow uh, at California. Uh, Cal is a six and a half point home dog. Nobody watched Cal in week one. They didn't realize that they scored a 58 points. They scored 58 points. And OK, people talking some crap about North Texas like it's Texas State or something. Uh, North Texas was seven and seven last year. Uh, not all that dissimilar from, say, Coastal Carolina. Like, they were qualitatively decent enough. Uh, blowing them the hell out is... On the road. On the road by 37 points. That's... It's not nothing. 
Um, Auburn, I uh, think they smoked whoever they were matched up against. I think it was some FCS or some crap. Massachusetts. They beat UMass. Well, so here's an interesting data point. They beat UMass by 45, but the postgame win expectancy had that more as a 14-point game. Uh. Auburn might be a <clears throat> paper tiger. Um, you like that? Yeah. Is that good? War Eagle. Yeah. Do you like Paper Tiger? Uh, I, no, because of the joke. Yeah, yeah I got did, it. Yeah, did, we, we but did you think on. it was funny? Yeah, it was, it was okay. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, you're not usually that funny. And I'd call that, it like that a... That would be on the higher end. I'd call it like funny. an 8 or a 9 on the classic <laughs> 1 to 10 scale. Um, Cal's going to win. They're definitely going to cover 6.5. Yeah, I like, uh, I like Cal in this one. Just, I mean... Again, I feel like this could be a close one, and you know maybe Cal screws up and Auburn kicks a field goal and wins at the end. But getting six half points at home, like there's enough of a chance that Cal's offense with Jake Spavital is good. It's legit. Um, you know, I think the defense can play pretty good. This is a long way to go if you're Auburn. Yeah, I, I mean, I not that I feel super great about it, but I feel much more comfortable taking points. You know, in this situation. Where there's a lot of stuff that could go wrong. Maybe Auburn comes out and there's just like SEC athletes everywhere and pushes uh, Cal around, and you're like, "Yep, I, I mean that that certainly could happen." But I feel like there's going to be enough of a sort of back and forth that six and a half points to me just seems like too many. So Absolutely. I, I will go with Cal as well. And one last one: the hoop hoop game, Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> 7.30 p.m. on FS1, Oklahoma State traveling to Arizona State. These are the Cowboys. Or should it be um, instead of that, because that's like more like the sheriffs. It should be like, um, you know. Okay. Do you like that? It, give me something from like uh, Yellowstone. You know, I've never seen the show. <sighs> it's good. Yeah. Okay. Give me something from Yellowstone. Why am I having to shoulder the load here? Because this is your, I mean, you only do a couple things. So like, <laughs> where is it to do? Uh, Oklahoma State at ASU. Uh, ASU is a three-point home dog. Um, I've just got a nasty feeling that Arizona State's in for, like, kind of a, 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 a tough year. Um, I think they're going to have some trouble in conference because of how strong the conference is. Um, Oklahoma State's not good. No, not by any stretch of the imagination. They almost lost to Central Arkansas. Um, but I don't know if ASU is any good either. Um, it's at ASU. I, I don't know. This one's tough for me. I'm gonna actually gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Do you want me to tell you what I'm doing, and you might do opposite or the same? No, well, I, we... I got to take Oklahoma State. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, there's the one team that just didn't look like it was, you know. I, I get it. Like they were up by 14, but it seemed like it was close. There was some like weird stuff that was happening in the first half of that game. You get the haboob and then everybody goes home. So yeah. the band goes like, there's not even a band there anymore. Yeah. There was like 400 people left in the stands there. So you're playing this game. You only score three points after halftime. It's like after midnight like that. I get it. Like it's hard to look too much into it, but just from what I saw, I, you know, I think Jaden Rashada can get there, but, um, it's going to take some work. And uh, who's the, the Drew Pine could potentially be coming back. Um, maybe he got, comes in. You got three quarter, you know, Trent Borgay. Like, I don't know. It seems like a little. The game wasn't that different. Like, again, going back to the post game win expectancy, looking at the underlying stats, they should have won it by seven. 
not three, but yeah. that's still an FCS school that you're going to beat by a touchdown at home. Yeah, it's, that's the thing. Is that This is a, you know, I, I'm not big on the Big 12, as you know, and I think Oklahoma State's sort of going in the wrong direction a little bit. But uh, I, I, I kind of feel this is the one that the, the Pac-12 sort of takes on the chin a little bit. And then you're kind of looking at Arizona State and like, all right, this is a rebuild for sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so those are our picks for uh, week two. And uh, I will be putting my bets onto my bookie. I hope you guys have a great Saturday because there's been a lot of games going on. All right. Why don't we take a break and we'll come back and do some questions. Back in a minute. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, <laughs> nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. We're back. Uh, yeah. Rudy says, I'll take the haboob for the win. Haboob. Uh, such a fun. Um, and then West Texas Mike says, Cowboys, uh, you got to offer an insult in a Western twang. All right. Something like that boy. No, no. You got to say it in the twang. Gotta, oh. That boy is all assless chaps and no cattle. Something like that. Okay. No, uh, is that like a real thing? No, I don't know what that is. Did, was that just made up? Uh, JB says 7.30 p.m. kickoff favors Cal. Mm. Uh, yeah, because it's like super late for um, those Auburn peoples. Uh, okay, so let's get to some questions. I think we, Let's play the voicemail first. Here you go. Hey, Brian and Steve. Trevor <laughs> here. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to wish Lincoln Riley a happy 40th birthday. And I got to say that the most surprising things I've learned in the last couple of weeks are, number one, that multiple Pac-12 coaches love Mumford and Sons. Uh, not to mention one Pac-12 coach loving Train. Uh, but secondly, that Lincoln Riley is somehow older than our beloved Dave Woods. Dave looks like he would have been Lincoln Riley's shop teacher back in real school. <laughs> How is it possible that uh, Riley could have been bouncing a, a young bearded Dave on his knee back in the 80s? I, I don't understand it, but I digress. <laughs> My question for you guys as our resident USC and UCLA experts is uh, if the SC and UCLA jobs came open next year, who would you guys prefer uh, to run your perspective, your uh, respective programs, and, and who do you think would be a better fit stylistically? Uh, former Glendora Tartan legend Jonathan Smith, who even though he's a SoCal kid, 
seems to kind of embody the, the small town college coaching ethos and who has built this physical, tough, disciplined team of under-the-radar players up in Corvallis, or Coach Prime, whose teams also appear to be very disciplined and organized and well-coached, but who is obviously stylistically and personality-wise about as far from Jonathan Smith as it gets and has a, a recruiting ceiling that would seem to be absolutely through the roof. Uh, I just find it kind of an interesting philosophical question. What do you guys think would be a better fit at your respective uh, programs that you cover and who you think would be better? Anyway, that's all I got. Love you guys. Bye. Great uh, voicemail there. Great question. It is. Because uh, that's really thought-provoking because my, my initial gut instinct is it's Coach Prime with no questions asked. Yeah. Uh, because... So USC and UCLA, their recruiting potential, like just as a general thing, if they have coaches who care, like USC's is obviously top five, but UCLA's is top 15, like if they actually have a coach who cares about recruiting. Yep. Um, but supercharging that puts them both in the territory of, you know, having the talent composite of a national title contender. Jonathan Smith is... I, I think, you know, from a technical standpoint, pound for pound, probably the best coach in the Pac-12. But he's not that recruiter. Um, yeah. And I don't think he would be. So I think what you're getting with Jonathan Smith is what they're getting at Oregon State. You're getting a damn good program. Uh, it'll take a little while to build it. And then it'll be really, really damn good. But it's not probably going to be... You know, you don't know until a guy is at a major recruiting power how he can recruit. But the fact that Prime is doing that at Colorado makes it easy to project what he's going to do if he has a you know a job that has you know the the geographic setup the demographic setup to to really bring in talent. Um, so I think the answer is Deion Sanders. I would agree, and I feel like, and I'm trying to think of what situation Jonathan Jonathan Smith would be better in, and that's no insult to Jonathan Smith, who's a great coach, but. I feel like that Dion can do this at Colorado means like, say you're Utah, you know, you have Kyle Whittingham. It's like this consistent, like Jonathan Smith takes over for Kyle Whittingham and you feel like, okay, they're going to be really good. They're going to run the ball. They're going to play good on defense and all this stuff. But like, I could see Dion going in there and just changing that and making it like fun and not consistent and like big, you know, but raising the ceiling where you could just like, get all kinds of recruits in there and and be crazy. I don't know what situation Dion wouldn't be potentially better. Like if you're going for upside, I think certainly in LA, you want that recruiter guy. I, I um, think Dion's a unicorn. Like yeah. I, and I'm basing that off of like what he did at Jackson State and then literally watching one game, but I I think you're getting a guy who can recruit at the absolute highest level and then on top of that Somebody who makes damn good decisions with yeah. his coaching hires and with like just his macro program management stuff. Like, I didn't love that he didn't know the names of the guys he was kicking out of the program. Right. Literally, besides that, I don't know that there's a single thing you point to and say, "Oh, that's not that's not a good idea. That's not great." Um, as it is right now, I think he's done a phenomenal job, and I think he's you know going out and getting a sitting head coach to run your offense and having it look like that. In game one, um, I mean, 
I like Jonathan Smith a lot. Um, and I think if you're talking about like getting him, I think it's a real conversation whether you want him or Kalen DeBoer, right? I think it's a real conversation where you, whether you want Jonathan Smith or like Luke Fickle. Yeah. Uh, but I think Deion Sanders has the potential to be one of those transform- transformative figures in college football where it's like, who would you pick over him? Nick Saban? Yeah. Like, but like, I mean, not even kidding. I think that's sort of the idea there. I mean, you're getting, you're getting both qualities. You're getting that high recruiting thing, but you're also getting somebody who makes really good coaching decisions. Andrew says Dion would rub USC donors the wrong way. I, I mean, if you're winning, I don't think you're rubbing donors the wrong way. Like he's got his own, you know, Netflix, YouTube shows, all this stuff. Uh, you know, I'm interesting. What do you do with the media? But I think when you're in USC and UCLA, because it's a professional town, you have to be somewhat open to the media if you want coverage, because they could cover the Rams or the Dodgers or the Lakers or the Clippers or, you know, Shohei Otani and the Angels. Like, there's just so many other things you could cover. But Dion, even if he, like, shuts out the media, you can't not cover him. Like, he's going to be a huge story. So I don't feel like with donors or whatever, you're winning. They're going to uh, accept you. I think that's going to be – yeah, I don't I don't think that would be – an issue. There's people that he just rubs the wrong way, and there it happens all over the place. But I, I think winning, talking about one of the most famous athletes of all time, one of the most outgoing athletes of all time, you know, who's been a endorser for you know a million different brands, who's been in front of a camera since he was 18 years old. Uh, he's not going to have a problem with the spotlight, and yeah. I think I think he's going to he would adapt to meet the demands of. Um, any kind of big time job, but also, I mean, if he builds Colorado back into a power, Colorado can be a power. Um, we'll we'll have to see how this plays out. My initial gut instinct was that he wasn't going to be there very long. Um, we'll see. Yeah. All right. Uh, emails. Do you want to start us? Old sure. Mountain West. Uh, we are at Old Mountain West is the new Pac-12. This is from my '63 Chevy. With the Pac-12 name still holding far more value than the Mountain West, isn't it in the best interest of everyone to take the best fits from the Mountain West, add one uh, half other schools, and bring them into a new Pac-12 that's far less than it was, but is still better than Washington State and Oregon State going to the Mountain West? I propose this is the league. Washington State, Oregon State, San Diego State, Fresno State, UNLV, Boise State, Colorado State, Nevada, San Jose State, Wyoming, Montana, North Dakota State, Gonzaga and St. Mary's. Uh, yes, adding two schools from one double A is something I've heard basically zero about, but these school, two schools make a lot of sense. Montana has a large stadium for one double A at 26,000 and is always sold out. It fits from a location sense as well and has been a good program for a long time. North Dakota State is a bit more of a reach, but if they want to go D1, this is a far better option than the Mac or something on those lines. If they don't want uh, in, then one of the leftover Mountain West schools would be a good slot in. Last off, Gonzaga. Yes, they don't play football, but there's no other men's hoops brand that is even semi-obtainable that is anywhere near the draw or level as Gonzaga. This league would be a pretty good basketball league that could also maybe add St. Mary's as a second non-football member to add even more to the basketball profile and push that angle a bit. I might be wrong, but does Gonzaga basketball alone bring more money to a conference in terms of units, TV money, and exposure than all of New Mexico State, Air Force, or Hawaii sports? I think this is a real possible outcome if the Pac-12 agrees to take on many of the higher-ups in the Mountain West, such as Gloria and Navarra's. What do you guys think? I think you're doing too much here. Yeah. Um, 
And Gonzaga has like their own kind of sweetheart deal. They get their own units. Like I don't think they want to go and just be a part Start of sharing them with everyone. Yeah, like they, you know, they didn't want to do that. I don't think with like the Big Twelve. And this is like a you know watered down version of that. I feel like what you're trying to do is is keep something afloat, and maybe it's going to be like an eight team league that has um, an Apple deal and streaming and all of that. But go going this deep, I don't think that's really. Uh, the solution that you're yeah, wanting to go I, I think what you could do is something like Washington State, Oregon State, San Diego State, Fresno State. I like that. Uh, Boise State, throw them in there. Um, and then it would have to be something like, I, I mean, I guess Colorado State, UNLV, and Nevada, maybe. Uh, maybe San Jose State in there instead. But yeah, something like that where it's like an eight-team league. Yeah. Because that would be a, a decently high-quality football league, too. Like, it would be a cut above where the Mountain West currently is. Um from a status standpoint, um, it wouldn't be a very good basketball league, um, but they would be, I would say, top half reasonably competitive in football, um, and it would probably quickly be the best of the, we wouldn't be calling them G5, but whatever, G6, uh, yeah. the best of that group. Yeah. All right. Uh, thanks for that one. John Abrea says, visionary, uh, Ryan and Dave, I'm sad this is the final year of the Pac-12. However, fast forward a few years and envision a world where four former Pac-12 teams make the college football playoff. Could this have been Larry Scott's master plan all along? In 2025, Oregon State from the Mountain West, Stanford from the ACC, Colorado from the Big 12, and UCLA, if Dante Moore is ever named the starter, from the Big 10, make the 12-team playoff. This uh, never would have been possible if the old Pac-12, uh, in the old Pac-12 and the credit for this visionary concept goes to Larry George and the Pac-12 presidents. And on a scheduling note, the official last day of monsoon season in Tucson is Saturday, September 30th, which means when Washington visits my Arizona Wildcats in week five, it's entirely possible that Penix will be playing in a haboob. Uh, <laughs> uh, as Lebanese poet uh, Khalil Gibran once said, let there be space in our togetherness. Pac-12 forever, John and Brea. I love it. I love the idea of it was inception all along. Like, force all of these Pac-12 teams inside of these leagues that have playoff access and then have them ascend. It'll be Pac-12 Pac ascendance is continuing beyond this I year. like it, yeah. I love it, John. Uh, uh, this is a long one from Thomas. Okay. The Empire Strikes Back. Hey, guys, I am running a couple episodes behind listening to the podcast. As a result, I just finished listening to Dave's incredulous rant on California and uh, Stanford and California deciding to join the ACC. As Ryan implied, there's been an avalanche of stories on why TV networks such as Fox or ESPN were the nefarious villain villains behind the seismic amount of college football realignment this summer. No one, however, seems to have a reason why conferences think bigger is better, except, of course, that increases the value of their next TV deal. So why, you ask, why would schools in a conference already as bloated as someone eating a late-night order of fried chicken and waffles with a side of cheese curds, why would they think even more expansion is a good idea? Well, it's actually quite simple. The more teams within your conference, the more at-large CFP berths your league can gobble up. And the more CFP berths your conference swallows, the more money there is to split with your backbencher programs. If you don't believe me, just ask Rutgers. Believe it or not, in the early years of the current playoff format, the Big Ten and SEC had an almost symbiotic relationship. While Southern schools dominated in getting to the national championship, Ohio State and friends actually appeared in more than in more New Year's Six games on the whole. Thus, it was the Big Ten that actually made more money from the playoff overall, despite barely being able to even sniff a natty. 
By 2018, however, the state of parity was no more. The SEC had come to dominate both in terms of berths in the New Year's Six games as well as playing in the championship. So as you can imagine, the Big Ten was open to a solution that would fix that problem, or as we political science majors at UCLA call it, proportional representation. Even so, I don't really understand why the Big Ten specifically thinks expansion is smart for it to pursue. That's because the Conference of Chuck Stops is going to play more in-conference games than the SEC and therefore will likely not have as strong a win-loss record. And while this mystery may never be solved, there is one entity that surely benefits turning college football's postseason into a tournament. That's right, Ryan should stop playing the Imperial March sound drop for USC and start to use it instead for the NCAA. Make no mistake, this isn't conference realignment anymore, it's good old vertical consolidation. Just the type of monopolistic behavior, in fact, that is music to President Baker's ears as he walks through the halls of Capitol Hill, arguing for the need of an impartial arbiter to rein in the robber barons of college sports one rebel alliance at a time. Be careful what you wish for, boys, you might just get it. came from the Death Star. That thing's operational. Let the hate flow through you. That was a lot. There was a lot. I'm not sure what it means. Uh, what what Thomas said? Yeah. Uh, what he's saying is that the reason this is all happening very is long, not Thomas. because of TV we're, money, but because of college football playoff money, which isn't true. So that should answer his question. Uh, and Rutgers is currently like hundreds of billions of dollars in debt after going to the Big Ten. So it's not true for them either. So yeah, none of this is true. I've learned um, you can always spend more than you make. Yeah, it just happens. Yeah, these these conferences need to read the wealthy barber. Yes, I love it. Just put a little money away every month, and you'll be you'll be wealthy by the end. Uh, you love that overreaction from Shane. Um, he says, "Week one overreaction. Pac-12 in its final year." Is the strongest conference. What do you think? Also, I enjoyed listening to you guys over the years. Wish you'd keep it going for my beeves and the Cougs after the conference blows up. Oh, yeah, baby. We We're might change. Yeah, we got we got to talk about beeves and Cougs. Um, Not the strongest conference, though. No. no, but maybe number two. Potentially. Yeah. They're, uh, the Big Ten doesn't look very good to start out with. The ACC looks a little bit better than expected. Uh, the Big 12, eh? I think the Pac-12 has a chance here. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, baby. I like it. All right. Uh, next up. Text message. It's a text message. We already answered it. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, so there's no there's no bye week in the survival pool. Like, just picking 12 straight weeks. So don't plan to, like, be able to take a week off. All right. Last question. This is from Alfred Boomslang. Week two buffs. Isn't there? Oh, there's a, that's a, not a... Email. Yeah, okay. your identification of spam emails remains one of the biggest curiosities. Uh, howdy, gents. It, like Literally, it says, investment strategy. In light of last week's creation of Burkford, I will be selling... Oh, wait, no, this isn't. This isn't a spam email. Wow. You were right. It's not spam. Investment strategy. In light of last week's creation of Burkford, I will be selling all of my shares of Berkshire Hathaway and investing in Burkford by the Bay. Thanks for the stock tip, guys. Anyway, moving along. Uh, this is from Alfred. <laughs> it was a real email. It was a real email. Um, not a lot of there there. I will say that. Yeah. Uh, howdy, gents. As wonderful as it was to see my Buffs win against TCU, I think Coach Prime, the staff, and the team's true test is this week against the Bug Eaters. Last weekend was an emotional high, and now there's film on the team. 
How do the Buffs adjust scheme? Do they fix special teams and defensive mistakes? Could they focus throughout the week after such an emotional, intense game? Plus the ubiquitous national spotlight after the win. Preseason, I knew the Buffs would be better this year, but I had doubts on them getting to a bowl. After week one, I'm super excited the team is so entertaining on the field, but I still have doubts on getting to six-plus wins. If they win this weekend, I think they can get to at least six wins. What say you? Go Buffs. I think you're trying to be cautious, Alfred. I think this is think he's had a one eleven season. Uh, no, I yeah, feel I think like he's been battered. <laughs> the film thing is, I think that's a real thing, though. Um, you know, it, it doesn't. I don't know if it's necessarily going to hurt Colorado because it's pretty evident, like what you know what they do. But you know, maybe it, it's some ways you can take advantage of defense or special teams or holes that you know outside of like the superstar players, maybe something like that. But uh, there, I think there's definitely some teams that. You know, I felt like San Jose State fell like they they had stuff on film already, and Oregon State was able to jump on it and uh, and use it well. I don't know if Nebraska is going to be able to do that, um, but it it's a real factor. Like I think early in the season, when you don't have film on someone, would when you do, like would TCU be would it be different if TCU played them after, again, knowing like what they do? I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? I mean. Uh... I think Colorado's going to win like seven or eight games this year. Okay. So, and th- this would be one of them. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, I think there's a, when you're following a team that's been bad for a very long time, it can be tough to adjust to the new reality that they're, um, that they're suddenly good. And I think Colorado fans had a little trouble in 2016 also buying that, oh, wow, they actually are suddenly okay again. Um, but I think this is even more than that. Um, Colorado has a few positions where it's got some of the top-level guys in the Pac-12. I mean, which receiving core are you taking over just like Travis Hunter and Jimmy Horn by themselves? Probably USC, maybe Washington. I don't know. I, I don't know who else you're taking he, over that. Like, yeah, 510 yards. Like, come on. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, UCLA is pretty good. J-Max Sturdman was pretty good. But um, that's a good receiving core. Very good uh, Very good quarterback. Um, they're going to win a lot of games. Yeah. All right. Uh, we had a couple of comments and we'll get you out of here. Carlos in the chat says, if the Pac-12 had stayed together, do you think any new rivalry, rivalries would have formed? If so, which ones? No, nah, I think the rivalry. I don't, I don't, they've been together long enough. I don't think that would have changed. No, I don't think so either. Yeah. And then uh, Mark says, why has SC never put names on the jerseys? It's just like a tradition. That's sort of like what they do. Um, they're not a team that like changes up the sock color or like they don't make a lot of changes to the uniforms. It's just one of those things that they don't, it's more about the team or whatever, but uh, there's, I think Penn state does that. I don't know how many other, do you know how many other schools don't put their names on the jerseys? Um, I think Penn state, USC, there, there's probably a couple I would think. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, those are the only two that pop off the top of my head. Does, yeah. does Notre Dame? Yeah, I believe so. Oh, maybe not. I don't know. We could Google that real quick, but no, we're not going to do that. Okay, uh, let's go wrap things up. I got a uh, Lincoln Riley press conference to get to. It, Thomas is asking why does that not work? Because it's the TV money, Thomas. It's not the CFP revenue. The CFP revenue. I think each Power Five conference, like just as a general rule, gets like an eighty million dollar base share. I don't think the berths are actually that much more. Like it's somewhat more, but it's not. It's not enough to move the needle more than what the TV revenue right. is. Um, yeah. when, when, when the Big Ten added 
UCLA and USC, they added like, I don't know, what was the estimation of the TV revenue value that they added per year? Yeah, it was way more than $80 million. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot of money. So, um, no, it's... Uh, it's 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 the TV money. It's it would not be the yeah. So like in the so the Big Ten like before Oregon and Washington, if every school is getting like in the seventy five eighty million range from the, you know, and that's what eighteen schools or sixteen or whatever it was then I forget how many now, the one share that the whole conference gets is about one share of like the TV revenue for a year, and there's sixteen or eighteen of those schools. So yeah, it's not. Um, it adds you know. 5 million or 10 million per school, but no, it's not, it's just a percentage, a small percentage of what you get from that TV revenue. Well, and beyond that, look Plus at, keep a, keep your emails concise. Like don't, it, more words are not better. Like no, just keep we, it we, tighter. We don't like words. Um, tighter. But the, the other thing is, um, look at the schools that actually got expanded. Tighter. <laughs> look at the schools that actually got taken into new leagues and count how many playoff berths they all have. Washington has one. Oklahoma has one going into the SEC. They've, they've been a t- couple, haven't they? Uh, yeah, they've got a few. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma's one team that has some. Washington yeah. is one team that has one. Uh, Oregon has? Oregon has the first one in 2014, right? Yeah. Right. But, but that's all we're talking about right here. And they were not targeted first, if we remember. Uh, the 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 ones that were targeted first were USC and UCLA. USC obviously has potential, but the, and they, Texas why, more than Oklahoma. But too. the reason they were targeted was because of their value as a as a TV entity. Yeah, that was the reason. That's why Texas was targeted. Uh, it had nothing to do with the increased possibility of of more CFP births yeah. for these schools. All right. Well, we are going to uh, wrap things up here on the podcast of Champions. Hope you guys liked our little preview episode. And uh, make sure you check back. Please, please, please enter your picks for the survival pool. If you did it last week, we had 360-something people enter. I don't want to see, like, 50 people didn't enter week two. Like, no, get back in there, enter it. It's great you did it the first time. Keep doing it every week because everybody's alive because everybody wanted the Pac-12. Uh, I feel like you pretty good um, this week. I think there's uh, some good options, so get your picks in there. David took uh, Colorado. I'm taking uh, the Beavs in Oregon State. But for David, David Woods, I am Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed uh, this episode, and we will talk to you next time. Buff Stampede.